We shall go on to the end. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 32 of The Art of Surrender. And I'm joined again today with, uh, joined again today by Aaron Morelli, and we are going to break down UFC 256. Uh, this episode is sort of MMA focused, and it's a bit of a follow on from the previous one we've done. So, yeah, what's going on, Aaron? How are you, man? Good, man. Good to be uh, back talking more UFC. Um, yeah, excited. Back on the potty. So, have you done your research? Watched some tape? Like, what, what's what's been happening in preparation? Yeah, I've been uh, catching up on the fighters on this card. I'm very very excited. Ferguson was added. I think uh, that that makes this card a lot more exciting. So, uh, yeah, lots to talk about. And of course, and of course, like UFC 256 in itself is a bit of a. Um, I guess it's all over the place, right? Like they're just getting that flyweight title fight the other weekend with Figueredo winning. Um, and then um, Brandon Marino beating uh, Brandon Roy Val has sort of, they've jumped again 21 days later on another pay-per-view because the card was in shambles, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you had the cancelled fights, uh, you know, Usman and Gilbert Burns are supposed to be there. You're supposed to have Nunes and Anderson. You're supposed to have Petey Yarn and Sterling at, some, at one point. So this card is been torn apart a few times so mm. good on uh figueredo moreno for turning it around to uh two exciting fighters to give a decent card and and yeah exactly and, and as i've obviously been riding on figueredo's nuts for yes. the past like a month um so too has dana Wyatt, and this is the perfect opportunity to put him in the spotlight again by having him on back-to-back pay-per-views well i think as i said to you in the last podcast if he, he keeps finishing people the he will look good, and I think, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be ha- make Dana happy, make the fans happy, and most of all, you, because well, yeah, he, he right. has your heart. You're his number one supporter. I, at this at this point in time, I am. You know, I'd uh, say we I'm, can't discuss that fight because you have a bias. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, right? Um, all right. So, what we're going to do today, just to give everyone a heads up on sort of the. Because we get these are going to be reoccurring these conversations at MMA stuff, and I'm gonna like my kind of view. Because at the moment I'm trying to do weekly podcasts, so I'll give you guys a quick idea of like my, my bit of a brain dump. Um, I'm trying to do weekly podcasts, so that's roughly four podcasts a month. And what I want to do is do these MMA focused ones strictly for the pay per view cards only. So that's roughly about one a month of these, and then the other three episodes will be um, sort of AOS as everyone sort of know has come to know what it's like where I'll go around and inter- interview different people uh, of those three. I'll try and do one over East where it'll be a zoom call like this. And then I'll try and do two, which will be location based. So if I'm in Perth where I am right now, I'll be going around and gym to gym like I have been and chatting to everyone. But just, that's just an update on that. And for today, uh, the layout's going to look like this. We're going to chat about UFC 255 because it is relevant here. We're going to talk about the results of those fights. Um, obviously, we had our picks as well, so we'll sum those up and see how we went. Uh, we'll talk about this card coming up on Sunday, December 13th. 
UFC 256, which is with um, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Marino. We'll just talk about the fights on the main card, the keys to victory and our, and our predictions. Then we'll go into some fight news that's relevant and um, we're going to do another segment, which will be potential matchups. And we're going to, depending on what's happening in MMA at the moment, so the 125 and 135 division is pretty relevant. So we're going to look at that and talk about some of the matchups that we see coming up soon and just go from there, I guess. So when you're ready, man, let's let's jump into UFC 255 and, and talk about how we went, hey, and we'll pat each other on the back for our wins and have a sook about the losses. What do you reckon? Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's not t- discuss the losses, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, just, we'll just leave those off, right? So yeah, I, had we'll a, just... I had a – sorry, mate. No, go ahead. Uh, I had a, I had a quick look at the um, tips that we did on the last card and – I guess I'll sum it up for you. So we both picked um, Brandon Marino to beat Brandon Royval, and yep. um, that fight was pretty crazy while it lasted. We were both right, though. Yeah, um, I did feel bad for Royval with his shoulder, obviously. Mm. The injury, that doesn't – no one ever likes to say that, but, I mean, a great performance by Marino, and it sets up an exciting 256. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Brandon Marino beat him with, um, well, it was called a TKO, but he dislocated his shoulder and um, Reval dislocated his shoulder. So, yeah, that fight was a win for Marino and I'm looking forward to seeing Reval again when he bounces back and the shoulder's better and hopefully he's all good. Yeah, it um, didn't hurt his stock at all, really, that, to be honest. Nah, it was a good fight while it lasts today. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Like Dana will get him back in there and uh, he'll be back up there. Yeah. For sure. Uh, then the other fight was Paul Craig versus uh, Shogun. And that was a uh, – mate, i got to tell you, I uh, I had the money on that one. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I said Paul Craig. So I said Paul Craig. That's right, win. you did too. I said he'd win by submission. Um, he did win by TKO, but I'm basically going to call that a submission because he, he tapped to strikes from like yes. – I think he yeah. had mounted back control, had him flattened out and Shogun – um, tap. So I'm going to count that as a submission. Yeah. And I think it's time for hopefully Shogun maybe wrap it up. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what After you saw in him, eh? I just, I wanted him to win one more fight and retire, to be honest. And I was hoping that would be it. I think it's nice to finish on a win, but uh, you know, I think he probably should have taken the win against Nagera and retired. But, you know, they, these some of these guys don't want to call it quits. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, give me um, five seconds. I, um, yep. I'm wearing my hoodie and uh, I'm basically doing a weight cut under this. I need to take it off. Give me five seconds. <laughs> all right, I'm back. I'm on weight. I just made weight. I'm all good. Let's go. We'll get the scales out. Yeah, my bad, people. So the next fight, which was after all my arrogance and shit talk on the previous one, I'm wrong on this one and you're right. So I take it I called this one to a T. Yeah, how did, how did you say it would go and what happened? Oh, I'm pretty sure I, I, I remember like that she was going to sit on the outside and Cavillio wouldn't have much for her and that's pretty much what happened, right? She yeah, Caitlin, really so this was Caitlin Chukagian against uh, yeah, um, uh, Calvillo. And, uh, yep. yeah, Calvillo, man, she just – she had heart to hang in there and lose to a decision. I thought that Chukagian probably should have got the, the knockout and finished her because she was dominating that fight and just played it a bit safe on the outside and skirted to an easy decision. 
Yeah, and I didn't blame her for that, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, I think towards the end of the round, she started going for a few bigger shots to finish it off once. But I think she played it, played her cards well just to get the win once she'd t- taken the first two rounds comfortably. Mm, yep, that's true. And so, and then the other fight that came after that was, um, was it Tim Means versus Mike Perry? And both of us got that wrong. But that was a good fight, man. I enjoyed that. Remember, I took I took Mike Perry with my heart, but in my mind, I was like, I should take Tim Means. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was a good fight. Mike Perry, I think, will always be around, win, lose, or draw. So he just comes out and starts swinging, which is what what the fans like to see. So yeah. he'll he'll always be a fan favorite, even if he wins or loses. But a good win for Tim Means, regardless. Yeah, and it was similar to. Um, uh, Chikagian's win too sort of established the jab stayed on the outside picked them apart picked their opponents apart and just sort of won the fight pretty easy like that though remember in the first round uh, Mike Perry had him on the ground took his back and basically had him in a rear naked choke and just couldn't quite get the finish yeah so that would have been so it showed you like yeah and Perry had his moments man you know and I think he's just I just think he's grappling his um I think he has more confidence in his striking but I actually think his grappling is probably better like he's more seems more competitive grappling than he does striking. Yeah, I think I think I, I agree. I think sometimes in his striking, like he he wants to. I think if the person he's fighting isn't engaging in that brawling style fight, I think that's when he's you know his wrestling and stuff can come in handy because you know he does like to engage in a brawling fight. And if the fighter is, that he's against is sitting on the outside and using range, he can struggle. And I've uh, definitely seen some good good uh you know ability on the ground so maybe next fight with a proper coach in his corner <laughs> he'll uh he'll have a better game plan and you know yeah, might use right. that success he had in the first round on the ground and take it into round two and three yeah and and remember we were talking about whether he um you were saying the as it unfolds and he's him and his missus have their baby maybe the baby will be in the corner <laughs> yeah uh, that'd, that'd be fantastic get his mum and dad in the corner as well and have a family affair. Darren Till, get them all in there, mate. Have them all in oh, there. I tell you, he should have had Darren Till. He needs, he, but he, it, he needs a coach. Without yeah. a doubt, he needs yeah. a coach. That's for sure. Um, so then the next two fights were the women's flyweight title and the men's flyweight title. So Valentina Shevchenko defeating Jennifer Meyer and Davison Figueredo uh, defeating Alex Perez. Uh, we both picked Shevchenko and Figueredo to win those fights. Um, I think I said... Uh, Valentino Shevchenko would get a TKO or a KO, and I think I said Davis and Figueredo would get a KO, but the women had it was a decision, and um, Figueredo got a submission and not a TKO. But we we got the right we got the right people nonetheless. Yeah, I think uh, I know early on in the fight, you know, obviously Maya actually did better than most people expected early on, and I know uh, when I watch these fights, I often have a uh, Twitter up just to see. Because I think, I don't know about you, but when I watch these fights, I see it one way and then I'll go on Twitter and everyone else sees it another way for some reason. Mm. Um, but yeah, people thinking that, uh, you know, Maya was doing well and I think she was doing good early. But uh, of course, Shevchenko always, um, even though she had some successes early, uh, Shevchenko was always going to come home strong and mm. no surprises there. I think I think it was a case of... Um... Uh, like Joe Rogan and DC in the commentary booth, you know, like there's been, um, I guess, 
complaints about Joe Rogan or criticism against Joe Rogan in the past where they say that he sort of the way he views what's happening in the fight is not always correct and he sort of sticks with how it was going initially and doesn't adjust as the fight goes. So I think early on Jennifer Meyer was doing quite well in the first round and they were talking about how great she was doing and they were like a little bit, um, wow, like what the hell, like is this really happening? And then all of a sudden the momentum turned Shevchenko was winning the fight like handedly, even though it was competitive, she sort of had top yeah. control, had the positional dominance, was struggling to get strikes off because Jennifer Meyer was really good at defending strikes from the bottom and having yeah. nice frames and just preventing Shevchenko's ability to throw damage, to actually hit her with damage. But the um, but the momentum had swung and they were a bit late to see that. That's that's how I viewed it. Yeah, anyway. but their role, their job is also to keep you know, keep the fight interesting and remind people that Maya's still in there and make it interesting, right? That's true. They're right and they're off halfway through. You know, it doesn't help the average fan um, because everyone knows how good Shevchenko is. Not many people know Maya's ability and if they're just sort of, um, if they said it the way we said it, where Shevchenko is just going to take control and most likely win, I suppose it's not the most entertaining commentary you've ever seen. Mm. So I can, I can see... I can see why they did it, but again, people need to remember Maya made it the full five, the full, uh, the full fight, right? Mm, yeah, she um, hung in there. So she, I think Maya won the first round, right? And then Shevchenko won the next four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it doesn't, but you know, she made it the four way through, and you know, with a cl- someone the class of Shevchenko making it the full way through is something in itself. I mean, mm. you know, yeah. there's many people like Jessica I that have copped a nice head kick or. She has a million weapons, Shevchenko. So to survive that fight all the way through, I think that's a badge of honor in itself. Feather in her cap, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how Maya goes in her next fight too. You know, when yeah, it's, I mean, not, when yeah, it's yeah. not against Shevchenko who dominates everyone. <laughs> yeah, and remember, like, fight. she's gone 25 minutes with one of the greatest female fighters ever. The only, as uh, what's good, John Kavanagh says, you win or you learn, right? She's going to learn a lot from that fight um, to take back. So, and you have 25 minutes of footage of yourself against one of the best. So I think she'll bounce back uh, very strong from this. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, and then uh, moving on to the main event, Figueredo defeating Alex Perez by submission via a guillotine in the first round. What What was your take on that fight? Crazy fast fight. And I mean, Figueredo, you can't. <laughs> he, he's coming through, and he's get he's he's just motoring through these people, and I love it. So I know you're a massive fan. You, you love the guy, and I'm um, becoming a big fan too. I mean, you get the win in you know under two minutes, one fifty-seven, uh, a minute fifty-seven, and then you you caught you're straight back in there for, for the next pay-per-view. Fans love that. Dana loves that. I mean. What a mm. performance. And, and for I, Perez, I think, again, nothing to be ashamed of. I think he'll bounce back and uh, be back up there, fight again, and, yeah. Mm. What do you think? Uh, no, exactly the same. I think, well, I think Perez, like he, you know, he did well, man. He was in the fight. He wasn't intimidated. He was definitely um, engaging um, and exchanging and, and holding his own, and it was just sort of that takedown. Um Figueredo yeah. sort of got the guillotine and um, Perez tried to move to the correct side, but Figueredo was 
I, like he he had that nice detail in the gear team when you once you get the hand, when you lock your hands with the hip when you hip out so that your hips are behind your chest or your head yeah so that they can't be flattened back out he he hit that like kind of bounced with that little hip out and that sort of that's what secured it and I think that was the difference on finishing the sub and Perez sort of just couldn't get around the leg couldn't 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 flatten him back out because he hipped out and that's what secured it and it yeah. was just it was that- beautiful to see. That's the crazy thing about, like, I mean, even last night when I was rolling um, with Brendan at High Jiu-Jitsu, I got caught in a guillotine, and it's so quick. And in a fight like that for a world title, you know, it can happen so fast, your neck gets caught. And if a person's got great technique, one little mistake, they've got your neck and it's over. So, again, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of there. I think it's just a case of take the take the loss and he'll bounce back for and sure. I learn mean, from it, yeah. And yeah, anyone can grit your neck quick. And, you can and the other thing... It because it was only like two minutes into the first round, they're both pretty dry. Like had that takedown and that sub attempt been, you know, later in the round or early in the next round where there's a bit of sweat, like he might've survived that because his head was almost out too. Yeah, man. I, I think um, the the great thing about a fight like that is especially, for, you know, for these guys in terms of like financial, I mean, they can both get back in there quick and there's no damage. I think, I think often, you know, if you have a fight with no damage, it's it's great because, uh, you know, it's just that you don't have that damage from that fight. You can move straight on and get back in there as opposed mm. to, the, you know, after some of these fights, you have these medical suspensions of mm. three months, mm. no contact. So they can't even train for three months and then they've got to train for a fight. So Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, obviously, there there may well be like you know emotional damage in the sense that his confidence is knocked, and how's he going to look coming back, and all those sorts of things. But like physically, um, he can't. They both came out of it like looking good. You know, like Perez got submitted, but he's fine. Yeah, and Perez is only twenty eight, and as as we know in MMA, twenty eight is young in MMA. Mm. Um, mm. You know, a lot of people don't hit their peak until they're thirty. So. Um, I still think he's going to be around that division. He's got wins against some some great fighters, so he'll be back for sure. Righty, righty. Okay, I agree. And so that's the I guess that's the end of UFC two five five. And given that um, Brandon Moreno defeated Brandon Royval, who um, and Davis and Figueroa beat Perez, this is what's lined up UFC two five six with obviously that some of the dropouts that we, that we discussed uh, that were previously yep. scheduled. And so they've backed it up 21 days later. Um, Moreno was originally scheduled to, to fight Figueredo, right? So this is a fight that's, you know, they would have been looking at each other previously. Yeah. So um, now, like, if we move into... Yeah, tw- and, you know, we were, we were discussing that. Mm, yeah, exactly. We were in the last card, right? In the last um, podcast, right? We, we were worried Garbrandt would get involved in the middle of it. And I think this is brilliant because we, I and yourself wanted to see this fight mm. and I was worried Garbrandt would come in and take it off him. And the fact that they've both turned it around in 21 days, especially Figueredo for doing it, I think shows a lot about him as a champion, uh, that he wants to fight the number one contender and not the money off the one with the more money fight. Um, so I think everyone's happy here. Yeah, yeah. A great early Christmas present. So while we're talk- while we're talking about them, I know it's the main event, but let's what we're on the subject. So we might as well break this one down, and then we'll start at the bottom of the main card and work up to the Tony Ferguson fight. What do you reckon? Yep, sounds like a plan. All right. Um, so, what are your thoughts on uh, 
Figueredo versus Marino and like how do you think it goes and keys to victory and what's your pick? And all that sort of stuff. I think I think this fight will go longer. I think it will um the 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 interesting thing about this fight is they are they are both well rounded. So they both have, you know, submissions from punches uh victories from decisions, submissions, um punches. So they're both well rounded guys. I do give the edge to Figueredo here. I do think and I'm I think he'll get him the better of him in the striking in probably I'd say the second round. I think. I think uh Figueredo will get a TKO in the second round in this one. Um, but again, it's 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 a, it's a tough one because it's, it's always tough when it's the champion versus number one, I think. Mm. It's so close. Um, so it can go either way. But that, that's the way I see it. How do, how do you say? You're, you're obviously biased. But <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm biased in who I want to win, sure. But yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I do my best to look at the fights objectively, especially when I'm trying to analyze who you know how I think it can go for either of them for both. You know, because I, yeah. I, I, when I look at these fights, like I'll look at Figueroa and I'll look at where I think he's strong, where I think he's weak. Uh, not that I think mm-hmm. he's weak because he's a legend, you know, but yes. <laughs> where I think he's strong. Yeah, and then I'll do the same thing for Marino and I'll match him up and sort of figure out how I think yeah. it goes. Um, Marino, like I said in the previous podcast when we were chatting about Marino versus Roval, I said he's not easily intimidated and he, he sort yes, of exactly. he, yep. he was going after it, right? So I think he's going to come into uh, up against Figueroa and I think the most important thing for him to do is to establish himself as like a serious threat and not show any intimidation, which I think he's going to hold his own, which will lead to the fight going longer, as you as you mentioned. Um, I, I just think Figueroa's just too well-rounded and he's just, I think he's faster than Marino. I think he's quicker and he hits hard. Yep. They both hit hard, but I think Figueroa's quicker and he hits hard and he just yes, probably definitely. has more ways to win. So Yeah, and yeah, I think the one thing here as well to think of it's a short turnaround, so I think with someone like Figueroa, Moreno needs a good game plan, and he's not going to have a significant amount of sparring and game planning time. It's going to be a lot shorter of a window, mm. so that's something to throw in there. And, and same for Figueroa. He's got at the same, but um, I think, you know, obviously you always got to look at Brent Moreno is challenging the champion, so I think that that's another sort of little... But it could again. It could work towards, to you know, to his benefit. But there is that short window for both of them where they've got a game plan, travel, uh, you know, travel with all the COVID restrictions and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it could make for an interesting uh, fight because it could change a few things. Whereas they might have six months to prepare for a world title fight. They've only got a month, mm. um, which does make it interesting. I think. Well. Do, uh... And the thing is, Marino, Marino, he, um, yeah, I just think that Figueredo and Figueredo think the thing is about him right now is his his confidence is like sky high. You know what I mean? Just his performances over the last like sort of six months, he, his confidence would have to be at an all time high. And um, Marino's, yeah. he, he, his confidence is up there too, but I just don't think it's as, as much as Figueroa's. And in, in, a, in fighting, like that's a hugely important thing. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, my, my, my pick for this one is Figueroa. I think he gets a, um, I think he gets the, 
oof, it's it's. I think he can tie a Marino out and 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 get a TKO, like sort of grounded TKO. I don't think he will starch him though. I think it'll be like a sort of on the ground fighting, and he'll wear him out, and sort of the fight will get stopped. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think round one, I actually think will be. I think it could be one of the best rounds of the year, to be honest, because as you said, they're both very confident guys. They're gonna, I, they're gonna come out swinging, um, and they're fast. And that's the one thing I've always loved about the uh, the lighter weights is their speed. It's it makes it very entertaining because obviously the heavier weights when they hit, sometimes they just go down so quick. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing about the light guys, lighter weight guys, you see, you tend to see those combinations, and they land, and they both can keep going back and forward. But I do think eventually, yeah, Figueroa's power will. I think if if they're going to have continuous exchanges, I think Figueroa's speed and power will trump uh, Moreno's, and that's and we'll what just we'll get shine that. through in the end. Late second round, I think. Okay, like four minute mark. Yeah, I'm 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 going to say in the uh, third round. I think he can hang in there for a bit and compete. I was listening to another podcast um, today actually, and they were saying that. Um, it's like throwing the lamb to the wolf, Marino to Ferguson. And I just, I think the fight is more closely matched than that. I think it's going to be competitive. I don't think that it's a walkthrough fight for Figueredo at all. Although I definitely think Dana White wants to see him win because there's more upside yep. to him winning. But I think it's going to be more competitive than a lamb being thrown to a wolf. No, yeah, and it's, it's number one versus number two. So, it, I mean, the champion versus number one, right? It's not going to be a cakewalk yeah he may win in the second round but he's not going to do it easy he's not going to be cruising he's probably going to get hit and he's going to have to you know because when when someone especially someone like Moreno that's full of confidence he's not going to come out and just accept that he's going to lose right he's going to come out to win so yeah. I think it's a bit yeah I don't think I think just because uh Figueredo's on a roll and he's 20 and one doesn't mean he's you know, MMA is a, a tough sport, you know, mm. all it takes is one punch and, and it's over. So I, I definitely think he's got way more than a puncher's chance to win mm. this fight. I think he had, if he game plans, there's a short turnaround for Figueredo as well. There's definitely passed the victory. So, yeah, I think it's closer than people think. Yeah, for sure. All right, sweet. So we're both with Figueredo. You've got second round TKO and I've got third round TKO, right? Yeah. All right. Perfect. And um, so let's go back down to the bottom of the um, main card. Though I will say, can you just move your mic a tiny bit away from your mouth because I'm hearing some a little bit of the wind interference. So I just I don't want that to come through for the listeners. Yeah, I think that's better. Um, so all right. So let's go to the beginning of the pre, uh, main card, which is going to be JDS. So Junior Dos Santos versus Cyril Gain. Um, what do you What do you think about mm-hmm. this one? Uh, I think Cyril's going to win this comfortably and Junior Sador Sandoval should retire. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think the Santos is coming off three losses. All three and, you know, all three TKOs. Uh, you know, obviously the Ngano one was no good. You don't want to get hit by that guy. I think I think he had his last sort of run at the title when he was fighting Stipe. Mm-hmm. Um I really, ha- I don't know about you, but I haven't really seen any improvement in him. Yeah. Over these last, you know, few few fights. I think, you know, he's been around a long time. His first professional fight was in 2006. Um, 
and he's had a phenomenal career, right? So, but again, this could be his way of, uh, you know, coming in and, you know, taking his last win and retiring. Um, but yeah, I think I'll take in this one, I'll take Cyril Gain by uh, TKO in the second round. Okay. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think I think that, um, yeah, JDS after this, if Cyril Gain gets a dominant win, uh, we might be looking at people in the media and, and all that sort of stuff talking about whether JDS should retire. Um, and, yeah, I agree, Cyril Gain um, should get the TKO um, in, yeah, second or third round. I, my only thing, though, is he hasn't fought in about 11 months, and I'm just wondering... Um, do you think that changes anything in ha- having not fought in almost a year? Uh, yeah, but he he may come in fresh. And, and again, I do think it's hard, but to cut, I mean, uh, for, I think DeSantos has probably got the worst when it, for the, uh, in terms of mental, uh, mm. because coming off three losses, all of them TKO punches, one of them obviously round one, and then the other two both round two. Um, Against you know, to be fair, three top guys in Garnu, Blades, and Rosenstrike. We can't count that out. They're all three massive names. Um, probably, you know, in their, those three names are in the top five in the division, right? So, and then Cyril Gain hasn't fought anyone of that caliber yet. So, there's pros and cons to it, but I think Cyril Gain will just. Um, I think he's on the on the rise. Um, and he will uh, take this one, and will, that will be probably the last we see of and, Dos Santos. Um, yeah, look, I agree. And the only other thing with Cyril Gain I mentioned, he hasn't fought in 11 months, but in that time he's had three fights scheduled. So it's not like he's been yeah. out with injury or anything. He's had three scheduled fights, and his opponents have pulled out of each of them, and they just haven't gone ahead. So, um, you know, that's I think that plays obviously a factor in his inactivity in the year, in the last year. Yeah, I mean, um, and he had uh, he had a gain. He had a, a illness is one of the reasons he pulled out in April. So, uh, you know that that hopefully that doesn't play a part. So he's probably taken some time off and he's healthy again now. So hopefully he's all good to go. And uh, yeah, I think we both agree there with what the result will be. Okay, uh, awesome. So then moving on to the next one. So it is uh, Ronaldo Souza versus Kevin Holland. And uh, I believe Kevin Holland is uh, a product of the UFC's um, marketing machine at the moment. Yes. Um, this, it's an interesting one. Uh, so Cyril Gaines, what, he's on a, he's on a geez, four-fight win streak. Um, he, well, he's basically, what is he? He's 20 wins, five losses. And he's basically just bashing people, right? And he's had three fights in the last three months, four months. Yes, he's a very active year in uh, 2020. Um, I suppose there's not much else to be doing over there. So yeah, right. Four, um, four fights, four wins, um, and yeah, looking looking to get a fifth in, win in a year, which is which is massive. Which would be a massive year if he gets it. And Souza is the biggest name he's fought. Uh, probably, oh, he got uh, he's fought some names, but I think this this is a a name that everyone knows. Um, he he was Ronaldo uh, was up the top of the division and looking for 
for a title shot uh, until I believe Whitaker beat him. Um, he was right up there, right? So he lost to Romero and then he was up there and then he lost to Whitaker. And then since really there, he's been very inconsistent with wins and losses, albeit against uh, some of the biggest fighters. Uh, again, uh, Ronaldo has a uh, Jokere, sorry, hasn't fought in over a year as well. So that's that's something. Maybe that little break may help him to take a step back. Uh, but he is obviously 40 years old and quite, whereas Holland's 28. So I think here you'll just see the youth come through. And I suspect Holland, Holland will probably get this one done pretty okay. early, I'd say. What about yourself? Uh, I see it. Yeah, a little bit differently. Um, as you've mentioned, he has had a uh, – so Souza has had a couple of losses, hasn't fought in a year. Um, but of those, you know, of these, I'll, I'll rattle off the names of his last six fights. Um, Whitaker, which, as you said, he lost. Brunson, Derek Brunson, which he won. Then he lost a decision to Kelvin Gaslam. Won uh, – sorry, lost a decision to Kelvin Gaslam, I should say. Then he got a KO win over Chris Weidman. And then he lost his next two fights, which was Jacku Manson. Um, which was a decision, and and Jan Blokowicz, which was also a decision, and that was his light heavyweight debut, and that was a year ago. So, look, I think with a year off, he's going to come back down. This fight against Kevin Holland, Holland is at um, middleweight, and I just feel like with a year off, Souza's very well, very well-rounded. He's got a really good ground game. Um, his striking is quite good as well, and I just think he can hang in there with Holland and and maybe get it to the four. And I think I think getting it to the four and looking for a submission is probably his best key to victory. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to put my eggs in that basket and say that he stops the hype train and gets a submission win. Yeah, well, that, that's where I think definitely the experience of someone like uh, him will come in. Because, again, being 40 has its downsides, but when it comes to experience, um, it's a big well, upside. Right? Man, He's you look some at- of the best fighters in the world. So. Exactly, and you look at Glover Teixeira at the moment. You know, he's he's aging too. Um, he's got a similar kind of game to uh, Souza in a way. Like it's yep. it's heavy top pressure jujitsu, um, and just real good connection, good heavy pressure. And I just think that Kevin Holland's ground game isn't going to be able to compete with him at, on that level. And I just think if he can, if he can't get it to the floor. He probably loses pretty handedly, but if he can get it to the floor, I feel like he can win pretty handedly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with that. Um, so you've got Holland, right? Early, early TKO. Yeah, and the reason I have early TKO is exactly what you said. I think the later it goes on, there's a bigger chance that Jacare gets him down to the ground, and again with that top pressure. If it goes later, I'm 100% agree with you. So mm. the so reason see, I'm picking Holland see, early is it yeah. needs to be done early. So we um we see the fight playing out in the same way. You just think it's going to play out early in his favor, and I think yep. he's I think the other way it's he's going to weather the storm, hang in there, yep. and then and then impose his game and win. So that's interesting. Yep. Um, that's that's why I like doing this stuff, eh? So you can chat about it. Um, the next one off the list is Renato Moicano versus uh, Rafael Fizevic. Fizev? I'm not even sure how to say that. Yeah, but, me either. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll kick. Did I kick this? Do you want to kick this one off? Oh, you you can kick this one off. All right. Uh, so for me, um, Rafael Fizev, if that's how you say it, 
he, when I first looked at this name in researching this card, I, I kind of was like, oh, I'm not sure. I need to look this guy up. And then I looked him up and I was like, ah, you know what? I was watching him not too long ago. He had a fight against, uh, let me have a quick look here, against, yeah, Mark um, DeCasey. And it was a decision win. And that was, what, four, four or five months ago? And mm-hmm. it got fight of the night. And what really stood out to me in, on that night was that Fizeyev had a really good, a massive body kick, um, heavy hands, solid striking. And he had a, um, he's sort of, he's doing kickboxing at, I think, Phuket top team. So he's got that, yeah. got the kickboxing down and looks real slick. And so when I was looking into the research, I was looking at Moicano and he's like been knocked out, I think, two out of his last three fights. And I just think that um, Fizeyev's striking is just too heavy. His hands are too heavy. His kicks are a bit like heavy body kicks. And I just think that Moicano just gets basically ran through. That's how I see it going. Yeah, so same as you. When I looked at uh, Fizeyev's uh, record as well and looking into his fights, the very strong with the legs. Um, you know, he's got a body kick KO uh, in 2018. So, <laughs> you know, you don't see too many of them. He's got a few head kicks, knees, punches. And as you said, uh, Meccano, Moicano has lost, you know, TKO last two but, uh, of his last three. But again, the names that he's lost to, Jose Aldo and Korean Zombie. So not average journeyman fighter fighters uh one of them was one of the greatest uh featherweights to ever live so again i wouldn't say you know they're the worst tko's ever but and and the, and the good thing for him is he is coming off a a win uh and an early win in from march in 44 seconds with the re-naked so yeah we'll have some confidence back but i agree with you i think uh zayev will get this done Using using his kicks and his striking, and I think just for a bit of a fun time for the fans, I think he'll win with a head kick. Mm. And oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I want to see anyway. <laughs> a head kick, yeah. I think body kicks, dropping the hands, and then he gets a KO drop and knocks him out. Um, that's that's how I see it. But yeah, the head kick would be nice. I, talking about having an early win, so that submission that Moicano had like early, uh, I think that you know, with the losses he's had and then that bounce back win, because it happened so early, it's kind of like he might be thinking like, I haven't spent enough. Even though he got a, a win, it's kind of like yeah, I didn't spend long in there to really feel myself and to get real comfortable and like, you know, how am I going to feel going back in there now? So I think that'll be a factor, which which also, like, not that we're discussing this today, but, you know, McGregor, that might be a factor for him you know, uh, fighting Cerrone and only spending 40 seconds in the cage, you know, for 40 seconds over what the last couple of years. So that might be a factor when that fight comes up too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Fizeyev, he wins, man. Look, and in my research, you know, I was, I was looking and, and read a, a Reddit link popped up and there's a minute and 30 second video of every body kick that he landed in that last fight. So I, there was something like 25 or 30 body kicks. So he's, you know, when we talk about the body kicks he's throwing, like we're talking about him, like, you know, really cracking people with him. So I think that's going to be the big difference in the fight. Yeah, and, and in speaking of that, there's body kicks. I think they are, you know, something worth talking about is Moicano, you know, is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, 
you know, and Fiziev is a is a blue belt, right? And Makano does have those takedowns. So if he can, you know, take advantage of one of those kicks and get him down to the ground, you know, we could be, you know, there's a lot of guillotines and re-naked chokes in there. So, you know, it only takes one poor choice of kick or a slip or something where Mercano can take advantage and yeah. with a solid game plan like that. But back to your point, actually, on those short fights is he hasn't, he's been in the octagon for less than two minutes in the last almost two years um, hmm. because the fight against Jose Aldo in February of 2019 went uh five minutes and 44 seconds. And then since then, he's only gone 58 seconds in the loss to Korean Zombie and then 44 seconds against um, Hadzovic. So, yeah, not much octagon time there. Yeah, that's true. And um, touching on your uh, chat about his submissions and ground game, look, I considered that. I do think it's a threat. If he does get to the ground and, and really establish control, I think it's it might be a bit of a problem, especially if um, Fizeev is on the bottom. I see that being an issue, where, and that's probably where Moicano can win the fight. But I think that Fizeev is physically a lot stronger, and I think Moicano is going to have trouble getting him to the ground. I, so, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But I think the that's why I was saying I think the he's going to have to take him down in in the sort of creative way. I don't think he's going to get him down easily, but I think by, you know, preparing for the kick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Taking him down off a kick. So using his own weapons against him. Yeah. And and taking advantage of that because often when it it is a, you know, if you shoot a double leg or a normal takedown, you're going to end up maybe in the guard or something like that. But I think off a kick or, where someone slips or you take advantage, there's a strong chance you you can take a more dominant position. Um, and, and then if you and if you're you know black belt uh, and you've got plenty of submissions, he's got plenty of attacks. And if he's in a dominant position on top of you, we all know how good black belts are with control. And if he can gain control in that position, um, especially with Fiziev coming in with visions of kicking and staying on the feet, you know, it can be disheartening to go for a big kick and end up, you know, underneath yeah, bottom underneath mount, mount or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. With, with a black belt on top of you throwing punches and trying to take your neck or your, your arm. So um, it's so actually a tricky one. It, it is. I did tussle with this. So what's your – so the official prediction? So I was actually Fiziev, but – be honest now i really want to see a jiu-jitsu finish on this card so i'm going to go moikano with a rear naked choke i think we'll see let's let's go with you know he takes advantage of a a poorly timed kick gets him down and wears him down into eventually rolls him over rear naked choke uh and let's just say early round two Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to stick. I appreciate that though. I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns and say, um, Rafael Fizev gets a KO probably in the first round. I think he's going to finish it early. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause just cause Moicano's confidence can be easily knocked. Like I said, I think he's second guessing the amount of octagon time he's had. The win he had was quick. Um, the previous two losses were quick. And I just think that Fizev's just 
a lot more powerful and can um, make him doubt everything very quickly. And that's that's probably where it's going to end for him there. So, yeah, Fizeo for me. So you've got a couple of different picks already. That's good. I like it. I respect that. Um, all it's right, a so good card. Yeah, it is a good card. It's better than than people first thought, I, I, well, in my opinion, anyway. Um, oh, they're solid fights. Let's look at the co-main, uh, and then after that, we'll go on to some of the fight news and, and, and see where we land up there. So um, yep. you can kick this one off. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. Um, what's what's on your mind here? Well, I'm very excited for uh, for this fight. I think this is a big necessary addition to this card. Um, so my first initial thoughts with this is I think after Ferguson lost to Gaethje, just a lot of people just wrote him off. <laughs> that was it. Like people forget how how good of a fighter he is, and the fact that he hadn't lost in six, seven years. Um, eight years. Eight years. Yeah, and people forget that he was preparing for Khabib. He was preparing to to defend takedowns, not defend, not fight someone that is a stand-up striker. And, and I think you saw a lot of that in that fight um, where he was just getting clocked the whole fight because he's versing a, a fantastic striker, um, mm. you know, on short notice. And I think that that does play a big fact in that fight, uh, factor in that fight. So I don't think we can just, write him off because of that loss. He's still a creative fighter. He can still win with strikes. He can win with submissions. He can he can cruise the fight for three rounds and win a decision handedly. Um, he has many ways to victories. Um, but again, then he's obviously fighting uh, Oliveira, who in himself is a fantastic fighter. But in this one, I, I, I see Tony Ferguson coming back strong and and taking the win, I think he'll do. I think it'll go the three rounds. I think it'll just be probably three rounds. Ferguson coming out with his traditional heavy pace and really putting it on Oliveira early. And I, I just think he'll suffocate him in terms of just consistent pressure across across the entire fight and, and get the victory. The only other. Uh, you know, he has that experience. He's been in there with some of the greatest fighters. Whereas I look at Oliveira's record, you know, he's been in there with Guida, Jim Miller recently, Nick Lentz. You know, these guys are not the caliber of Tony Ferguson to me. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he, he you're right. He's fought, but he's also fought Paul Fowler, Ricardo Lamas, Anthony Pettis, Miles Jury, Max Holloway. So there's, it's not Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson. So it's not like he, Donald Cerrone. So it's not like he hasn't um, fought some experienced people over the years. Yeah, but he's lost them all. All of those fights. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Has he lost every fight I just mentioned? When, when you were n- naming them off, I was like, yeah, but he lost them all. <laughs> oh he lost God. to Cerrone. He lost to Cub. He lost to Frankie Edler. He lost to Max Holloway. He lost. This is what I'm saying. Every big name fighter that he's fought, other than Kevin Lee, and Kevin Lee, I just feel like he's in the middle of no man's land at the moment. He, mm. I, I don't know what happened to him. Ever since he lost to Tony Ferguson, he's just been, you know, yeah. out of it. Other than that one big KO. But again, man, like he, he beats up the, the guys he should win against. But I, I'm yet to see him win the big fight, the Cerrone's, the Cubs once. And he fought Cerrone in 2011 when Cerrone was young and in the hunt. Um mm. Cub Swanson, he fought Frankie Edgar when Edgar was uh, in his prime. 
fought Holloway in 2015 when, you know, Holloway was doing well. So I just think Tony Ferguson will put the pressure on three rounds and uh, just uh, take the victory comfortably through pressure, uh, 30-27 across the board. And, okay. Yeah. Can I um, ask a couple of questions and see uh, what your views on them are? Sure can. So, okay. So I, I appreciate the, um, the, the pick and why. Uh, my questions, though, are do you think that the age difference makes, uh, has any factor on it? So Tony Ferguson being 36 and um, Charles Oliveira being 31 and the other spanner in the works to mention is that um, Charles Oliveira is on a seven-fight win streak and hasn't lost now, now in two and a half years. And, yes. and has finished every single one of those wins as well. Yeah, but again, seven-fight win streak against who? <laughs> like, it's just to yeah. me, it's not the... I don't think you can... To me, I don't think you can say that Ferguson, like, the age is a factor. He lost one fight, again, with a lot of circumstances, short-notice short fight against a completely different matchup. To be honest, I personally, if I was him, wouldn't have taken the fight, but we all know the type of person Ferguson is. He's not scared of anyone, and he 100% thought he would outstrike and win that fight, um, which is why we love him, right? Uh, but again, I just think that one loss against one of the best in the top in the division, whereas I haven't seen Oliveira fight the top of the division, and when he does, he hasn't been successful. And that's not a knock on him. It's it's one of the toughest. It is probably the toughest division in the UFC, uh, or one of. Yeah, so it's for not sure. a knock on him. But I do. I don't think the age will be a factor. I think Ferguson is always fit. He's he's he trains hard. He's always in tip-top condition. And even the way he came back from the, the ACL injury and fought like a warrior, um, I think he'll be completely fine. And I I just think he'll bounce back. And and I think the division needs him to bounce back because he's a he's a prominent name. And without Khabib in there at the moment, he. Uh, is an exciting fight and it keeps that lightweight division fun. Mm. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful so assessment. Do you think those things are a problem? Uh, the age? I, I think it's a factor. So I guess my view on that is, and you've touched on a good thing too. So my, my, um, what do I want to happen? Look, I want Tony Ferguson to win this fight. I think because yep. of, you know, you mentioning uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, I think that that becomes potentially if this fight's dominant and there's a real good finish and he can establish himself as a number one contender, so perhaps he needs to have another fight after this. But I think that um, if Khabib's going to fight again, it's most likely going to be, which we'll get into the fight news and talk about it, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to be maybe GSP or Tony Ferguson at this stage unless something, you know, um, unveils itself. So, you know, to see that sort of stuff happen, I think Ferguson needs to win to, you know, for the story of the lightweight division. But um, I think the age does play a little bit of a factor. Um, I'm not leaning into the um, theme that um, Ferguson's washed up and, you know, like, you know, he's been, you know, uh, Justin Gaethje showed the holes in his games and he's not as good as what people thought and all those things. I don't think that. I think he's as good as everyone thinks. I think that change in matchup, you know, being originally scheduled to fight Khabib and then instead fighting Justin on short notice, um, you know, is a big factor there, being completely different opponents. Uh, so I, with all those things in consideration and Oliviera's um, seven-fight win streak, I, I, I'm going to edge it to Oliviera, though, 
And the reason for that is because with those seven wins, uh, it's not just about them being easy fights. I think that his whole entire MMA game has come together a lot better and he's kind of at this point where his game is looking very, very well-rounded, very refined, and he's at the point now where he's ready to take on that, like, top five contenders. And he's been – I think he's been someone in the in the last year or so that people have avoided fighting, and now he has the opportunity to step into the top five. So I, I think yep. I think Olivier is able to potentially – over three rounds, it might be a decision, but over five rounds, I reckon Olivier gets a submission win. I think he gets a rear naked choke over – um, Tony Ferguson. Are they fighting three or five? Three, isn't it? I think it's. I think it's a three-round fight. Yeah, because it's so, main. It's not a. And it's not a title fight. Yeah. No, I'm just. That's just my. I. You know, the fight. I look. I just think. Yeah. It might be a um, decision win to Oliveira. Um, I, I think he's going to be a bit quicker, and he's going to be able to move a little bit more f- fluidly. Um, yeah. And I think the movement is going to be the difference in the fight. And um, over, you know, five rounds, I think he gets the submission but might not have enough time to get that in this fight. Yeah, and that's a fair... And and I think, to be honest, where Oliveira's career sort of has taken a more of a successful turn is obviously, uh, if you look at his record, he was fighting obviously 145 and the amount of times he missed weight (laughs) was... (laughs) Unbelievable. I mean, he's had in his fight, the amount of times he's fought at catch weight because people have missed weight. He's fought at catch weight one, two, three, four, five, six times because of missed weights. So um, I think that the thing that does help him in this fight is 155 does seem to be a better division for him going up and probably not cutting as much weight because when you're missing weight that much, it's clear that's not your weight class. Um yeah, and I, I agree, but wasn't that last fight he had against Kevin Lee, wasn't it Kevin Lee that missed weight or was it yes, him? Yes, so Kevin Kevin Lee missed weight and and obviously he's making weight comfortably now because he's up at 155, but yeah, when he was right. in 145 and again, back to those things where I was saying he had those losses, um, you know, fair play to him. Some of those losses did come at 145, so maybe 155 is where he get builds and... You know, although I am saying that some of his wins are, you know, haven't been against the biggest fighters, to beat Kevin Lee and then go on and beat Tony Ferguson, then he's starting to rack up those names. Mm. And I think mm. after this, he takes on a bigger name. Perhaps a Michael Chandler would be if he could win this fight. I who's, think. Who's this, Ferguson? Ferguson or Oliveira. I think if they win this fight and uh, Chandler's still sitting there without a fight. Um, I think you can very well book a Chandler versus Oliveira or Ferguson up next. Mm. And man, look, bro, this you know this card was sort of. I think I think that's fair for sure. But this this whole card, like we've obviously we're sort of at the we've wrapped up the picks now. But I think you know it, don't sleep on this card, people, because the main event and the co-main are going to be exciting. You know, like Figueroa's a finishing machine. Um, Brandon Marino shows up ready to throw down as well. And then Ferguson and Oliveira. I mean, this fight, let me run you through this. uh, So Charles Oliveira, he's had 29 wins. And of those 29 wins, he's had 27 finishes. Yep. 
So only two of the fights have made the um, distance when he's won. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of the fights he's lost, he's lost eight and seven of them have been uh, have finished. So he's only been to three decisions in 37 fights or 38 yeah. fights. He's been to three decisions. On the other hand, uh, Tony Ferguson, 29 fights, 25 wins, and of those 25 wins, he's finished 20 of them. So, yeah. you know, I, I, maybe this fight won't go. I said a decision win. Maybe there won't be a decision. The fight might end, you know. No, but that's why I think it, there won't be a finish. I just think they're two finishes and they're both very – usually the people that are finishing are the ones that obviously stay in the fight because they're not getting finished. So I, that's why I think they'll stay – both stay in the fight. And, I and again, it's going to be an exciting fight because of those finishes and uh, – I think you can't not love Ferguson's style of just straight pressure. Mm, um, mm. And there's a lot of fighters like that now with, you know, you got like Colby Covington and stuff that, that straight pressure, nonstop action is like for the fan. And that's why when he was put on this card, I was like, this is instantly a great card because mm. he's just an entertainment all around. All right. Beautiful. I agree. So let's, let's quickly wrap up the picks. Um, so, Real quick, we'll run through them. JDS first gain. We've both we've both got Cyril Gain to win that by KO. Um, yep. Ronaldo Souza versus Kevin Holland. I've got Souza by submission, and you've got Kevin Holland by KO, right? Yep. Uh, then Hanato Moicano versus Rafael Fizeyev. I've got Fizeyev uh, by KO. And what's your pick? I went. I changed to Moicano by re-naked. Okay. Uh, Ferguson versus Oliveira. I've got Oliveira decision and you've got Ferguson decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a finish. And like I said, I, I see either of them winning and either of them finishing one another. Like this fight's a 50-50 for me. Yep. Um, and then Figueredo versus Marino. We've both got Figueredo by KO. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also, I wouldn't be surprised to um, see a submission either. Um so be no. interesting to see yep. how it goes down. So, all right, let's move on to the second last, I guess, segment of the of the MMA chat uh, is fight news. Mate, Ratwani, what's been going on, brother? What the hell, what's happening in the well, news? Well, I think obviously the big news this week is um, the the pullout of the, the fight we were looking for, Leon Edwards with uh, COVID-19. I think he was trying to... He probably could have tested negative before the fight because he's had it well in advance, but he's, from all accounts, he's lost 12 pounds in four days. Um, he's, he's recovering, but he's he's got a pretty severe case. We know with COVID, like some people are getting no symptoms and some people are getting pretty, pretty messed up from it. Um, and, you know, someone that fit to be getting that messed up, it's obviously a pretty severe case. And, and these people that have the severe case, they're talking about rebooking that fight um, in January, right? Uh, that was going to be my question. Are they going to? Because I, I know Neil Magny's cl- calling for that fight against um, Kamzat. Yeah, but the thing is, if book that in January, uh, from all accounts, this it very much attacks your lungs, right? Mm. Um, so, is he going to be right in January? If it is that severe, you know, twelve pounds in four days, we're at December third. Uh, I think it'd be a bit of a stretch to to rebook that for then. I think the best bet is to probably just push it. I think it'll get pushed to February. Mm. Um, 
But I think, think, to be honest, they might even try and chuck it on the McGregor card. Ah, uh, that's my question. Do you think they're slating it for January so that they can have him as the, you know, maybe the um, headliner of the prelim or the opening fight of the main card? Um, you know, obviously, I think it goes without saying that Dana White would like to see Kamzat win that fight. I think I'll think they'll chuck it on as almost as like right up the card, uh, the, the co-main. Who uh, do you know? What, who else is on that card? Or have they not discussed uh, I'm just it? checking now. I don't think... Yeah. See, usually with a McGregor card, um, there's not many fights announced as yet, but usually with a with a McGregor card, the there's not a big... Especially with COVID, there won't be a big uh, names as well on the card because mm. of the pay pack- package that McGregor takes. Um, yeah, I don't think the card will be that strong underneath him, to be honest. Yeah. But I do think there's a chance they chuck that on as the co-main. Um, a, a couple of fights that have been talked around um, that period. I know, uh, obviously, you know McGregor and Poirier are the, um, the main, you know, the main fight. And like you said, they're not going to have any other championship fights because of the pay-per-view points that McGregor won't want to give up. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that they might move this fight to be the co-main. That actually does make sense. They like to promote um, up-and-coming uh, people. You know, people really starting to get hype behind them. So another yep. fight they could make. I know Jimmy Crute was calling for a fight against Anthony, Anthony Smith. So that might yep. be one that gets scheduled on that fight card. And again, it fits the McGregor bill, being that it's not a, another pay-per-view card or a massive fight. But yep. you know, Young Gun and Jimmy Crute coming up. Um, and then another one, I know Sean O'Malley was um, saying that he would like to get on that fight uh, um, on that fight card, and he now has a matchup, but it hasn't been announced. So perhaps he'll be on that card. Yeah, um, yeah. So there are lots of uh, fights there. Um, the other thing is that there's some fights being added to that December nineteenth card, uh, which was a little bit weak, but. You know, it's got obviously Jose Aldo on there, and they announced more fights this week. That's with Stephen Marlon Thompson. Vera, Marlon Vera versus Aldo. Yep, and then they announced Stephen Thompson will be fighting Jeff Neal as the main event. Mm. I love watching Stephen Thompson; very yeah. unique style. Love his kicks. Um, they've also got Pettis, uh fighting Alex Morono on that fight. Anthony Pettis. Um, yes, Showtime Pettis is coming back to fight Alex Morono. Sorry on December 19th, um, and that just got announced uh, yesterday. So, yeah, starting to fill up the cards at the end of the year. It's fun. It's been a funny year, to be honest. Like, some of these fights are getting announced, like, two weeks before the fight. Mm. So, um, I think uh, with the, with this Vegas, you know, bubble and, over, and the Abu Dhabi, I think they're just making as many fights as they can. That makes sense. And people are just jumping in on late notice. Um and, and of course, like with the state of the world, you know, COVID, you know, fights, you know, there's fights being pulled all the time. So all these things that are up and coming, you know, we say this now because that's sort of what's scheduled and what's in talks. But, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, some of these fights may not go ahead at, at you know, at this point in time if, if something happens with COVID or, or like someone catches it or, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, another... For women's MMA, uh, I don't know if you're aware of who Clarissa Shields is. She's a boxer, probably, right? Yep, number one pound-for-pound pound female boxer in the world. Uh, she's sort of been poking at Nunes for a while. 
Um, again, mm. I, I think it's probably going to end up being a McGregor-Mayweather type thing, but uglier if she comes into MMA because Nunez is very well-rounded and it's not just boxing anymore. Uh, but she's signed with uh, PFL yeah. um, for 2021. Okay. So I'm assuming she's going to sort of make her beat up a few people there and then eventually come across into into the Uf, UFC later on if she's successful. Mm. Fig- Mainly, fig- I think, because Dana doesn't want to pay the fee that it would be for her, especially with COVID, I'm guessing, because it is interesting that he hasn't gone after her. Well, man, this might be a silly question, but is the PFL owned by the UFC? No. Are they, set, are they not related? No, no, they're not related. Mm. I, I believe I'm... 99% sure they're not related because they do more tournament style. Um, you win. Uh, no, they're owned by an investor company. Right. Okay. Um, I know Ali Abdelaziz is heavily involved in, in PFL. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a separate fight league. Yeah. Okay. That, so that'll be interesting. That's something to keep an eye on anyway. Yeah, now for women's she's MMA. officially been picked up in a in a promotion, an MMA promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if she can get a few wins and make her way to the UFC because I'm sure Dana, if things go well, will be looking to take her. And I'm oh, sure 100%. I'm sure if things go well for her, this is where she'll be looking to come as well. Which yeah. is interesting, right? I think I was listening to I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. Maybe you would have heard it as well, but that was the interesting thing, right? Guys, some people in MMA, like McGregor, for example, have gone to boxing to fight to make more money. But mm-hmm. in women's boxing, women are coming into the MMA to fight because there's more money for them in women's MMA than there is in women's boxing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, 100%. So it is interesting. Um, and I've always thought this about uh, MMA. Uh, for women's sport, it's actually probably the most inclusive, like where, like, us men, like people will watch the women's MMA as much as they will the men's. Whereas yeah, if you look at sure. other sports like rugby league or soccer, you're not getting those same crowds. But when Nunes fights or Shoshenko fights, if they're the main event, like I'm just as excited for that as I am any other, any other fight. Mm, for sure. So, um, yeah. And then I suppose the other big news that we haven't been able to discuss because uh, since last time was the fight I was really excited for, and this sort of leads into the 135 picture, was Petey Young and Aljamain Sterling. Mm-hmm. Because Aljamain Sterling I, I deserved the title shot ages ago. Um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and this is the fight that made the most sense for the most time, these two. Um, so disappointing, but they will rebook that fight for, for, for sure. Jan, I think, is going through some personal... Stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think I might have said on the last podcast that he pulled out due to an injury, which at that point in time was yep. undis- undisclosed. But now um, with a little bit more information, I've um, come to learn that, yeah, he pulled out for personal reasons, not because of an injury. I mean, yeah. you know, it may well have been an injury for all we know, but, yeah, personal reasons is what's listed, right? Yes. Um, and then, yeah, in that 135 picture, so something I was talking to you about before, he's coming back into the media sort of this week. Uh, people, I think, have forgotten because he's not in the rankings and uh, with Figueredo around in 125 and Cody Garbrandt and, and all this. And obviously you had Henry Cejudo for a while. Um, TJ Dillashaw in January will be finishing his suspension 
uh, and coming back into the UFC. He's wanting a title shot. Again, I, I, I don't think he necessarily deserves that straight up. I think Peter Yarn, Aljamain Sterling are all in there. I think he comes back and and maybe takes one or two warm-up fights before he he gets back in there, especially coming off a performance-enhancing drugs um, suspension. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think I mean, a lot I, of people I, are forgetting I, that. I agree. Well, I mean, I agree in terms of. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Let me re- let me start again. I'm someone who kind of forgot about TJ Dillashaw because MMA is definitely a you know what have you done for me lately kind of sport. Yes. <laughs> hence, hence why uh, Figueroa is my best mate. You know. <laughs> but yeah, <Yes. laughs> TJ Dillashaw sort of slipped off my radar, and and I I agree with you. I don't think he should get a title shot when he returns. Uh, maybe if he wins one fight, depending on how it goes, he might get a title shot given, you know, his name and his status in the sport. But, um, you know, the UFC, they definitely should not give him a title shot. So let me ask you this then, moving into the potential matchups, and we've obviously had a little look at the 125 and 135 division. What do you think makes sense for TJ Dillashaw upon his return? Well, to me, I think if you're talking interest-wise and and a storyline, I think the Garbrandt fight will be an interesting one to come back to, only in the sense that he beat Garbrandt twice and Garbrandt in both lead-ups was saying, and I know this guy's on performance-enhancing drugs. He's on drugs, he's on drugs, he's on drugs. And he kept saying it and saying it and saying it and that's why he left and all that stuff. So I think if TJ's going to be under some strict testing when he comes back, he's probably going to be one of the most tested in the sport immediately because of his indiscretions there, especially with the EPO and, you know, uh, those benefits. So I think it would just make for an interesting fight uh, because Garbrandt's losses that he had, those three losses, but the two specifically to TJ, uh, are they as bad as they seem? Because if TJ was on EPO and all these drugs, um, it's proven they're, they're banned for a reason. It's because they give you an advantage. Over training, recovery, all those things. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Garbrandt can come out and beat well, I mean, him the third time. You know, speaking of advantage, um, you know, what's his name? Old mate. Um, oh, geez, how does this elude me right now? The cyclist Lance Armstrong. You know, he he won how many Tour de France's on EPO? Was it six, seven? I think six or seven, something like that. So yeah, I mean, there's a there's a uh, little bit of an advantage there, isn't there? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Especially, I mean, that sport it's riddled riddled with it. Um, oh, of course, cycling. I mean, those Tour de France guys. But, so uh, um, let me ask you. So you've mentioned, um, you know, for the storyline, Garbrandt kind of makes sense. Um, I, I I think that's the case as well. Um, what about I know um, uh, Cody? What's his name? Cody. Uh, Ah, geez. Corey Sandhagen. Co- sorry, co- yeah, Corey Sandhagen. That's right. I was thinking Cody Garbrandt. Corey Sandhagen uh, was calling for TJ Dillashaw and suggesting that that makes sense. Um, he's number yep, two they- in the division. Yep. Uh, he, you know, he just lost He lost to uh, Sterling and then beat Marlon Moraes. Um, so, and, you know, spinning wheel kick is not, is a, and punches is a sure way to earn yourself a big fight. And, uh, and if he's hunting a big name, there's nothing like beating, uh, you know, 
TJ Dillashaw on his return to the sport because TJ Dillashaw is going to draw any MMA fans going to draw eyes when he comes back. People are going to see, okay, yeah, you're probably definitely not on the performance enhancing drugs anymore. So let's see what you look like. Mm. Um, and he's been training hard. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his body at the moment, but he's, he's shredded. And um, he's he suggested that he can make 125, right? And that he can make 135. TJ? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but when return. he made 125, I mean, he did not look. It reminded me of McGregor when he was making 145. He just looked like. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand that, and it didn't look good. Uh, but he's saying now in a recent interview, I think with Brett Okamoto, that he's ready to go come January and that he thinks he can make. Uh, he, you know, this time around, he's more prepared. He didn't need to do the EPO thing. He did it. He's sorry for it, all this shit. But the point is that he, he thinks he can make both divisions. That's where his head's yeah. at right now. So yeah. with, you know, chatting to what I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I think that um, Cody Garbrandt with the storyline makes sense. I think that Cody, Cody uh, sorry, Corey Sandhagen, just based on where the division's at also makes sense. Um I like man. There's a couple of ways this plays out, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the Figueroa thing in a second, and I'm gonna pose you where he can go if he wins on the weekend. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> this um, looking at the picture of flyweight and bantamweight, I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking to myself, Cody Garbrandt wants to go down and fight Figueroa, right? Yep. So let him go down if he wins this fight on the weekend, obviously, against um, Brandon Marino, let Cody Garbrandt go down and fight against Figueredo, right? Now, if Figueredo beats Garbrandt, then I think Figueredo goes up to 135 and fights whoever the champion is at that point in time. If, on the other hand, Cody Garbrandt defeats Figueredo, I think how things might play out is that TJ Dillashaw fights Corey Sandhagen right now, well, you know, on his return, whilst Garbrandt fights Figueredo. And then I think should both those lads win, then guess what? You've got TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt at 125 for the flyweight title, this time on non-PEDs, and it's a rematch, you know, you know, supposedly going to be marketed as a clean fight. Yeah, I mean, that... that Obviously, there's a lot of chips that have to fall into place, but again, I think that you know that's that's a perfect uh, that can definitely can definitely happen and can definitely be the case. The other spinner in the works is obviously Cejudo. He's not retired. He's going to come back. Mm, mm. I, I, he's not done. He's well, going to come back for sure. And I think he's just buying his time to see when he comes back. And I think the best path for Cejudo, I think if if uh, Figueredo can go up and win the 135 title, right, and establish himself like Cejudo did. If Cejudo comes back and then beats Figueredo, what does that? I mean, that just sets him yeah. as the best, right? Especially, so I think with, that. Yeah, I think it's a smart game plan for Cejudo to sit back and sort of see where the divisions go, and then come back and beat someone because that's almost a better way to cement your legacy than continuously fighting because obviously the more big names he fights like Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, the bigger chance he has to lose. But mm. if if he lets Figueredo beat some of them while he's off retired and then he comes out of retirement and knocks out Figueredo or defeats him, I mean, and he's got a Demetrius Johnson on his record, I mean, it does wonders for him, right? 
Yeah, well, that's 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 the you know you said the chips need to fall into place, but I think that this is the fork in the road type scenario where, yep. um, you know, if if Dillashaw beats Sandhagen and Garbrandt beats Figueredo, then you get uh, Figueredo. Sorry, then you get Garbrandt versus Dillashaw at the flyweight. If on the other hand, Davis and Figueredo can beat Garbrandt, then after that fight, you see him go up and try and win the 135 title like you're discussing. And then if he manages to win that, then you've got Henry Cejudo coming into play. So the UFC, whichever way, you know, the fork splits, the UFC's got um, some big fights between the flyweight and the bantamweight division, um, depending on how it all goes. So with that in mind, I think that the um, flyweight division's like pretty safe right now and that nothing, and that's not going anywhere, at least for the next year or so. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And then I suppose just sort of related, uh, just one division up. Um, it looks as though Volkanovski's next title defense will be against Ortega mm. in yeah. February is what they're looking at. March to February is what they're looking at, uh, which will be an interesting uh, interesting matchup. What are the – okay. That, that will be an interesting matchup. Um what do you, if, let me ask you this. Uh, another thing I was going to talk about was Dana White versus, well, Dana White versus Khabib. <laughs> I, that's what I've written down. But what I actually mean is the conversation that they are about to have about Khabib's future. And you're mentioning Volkanovsky. Uh, that kind of just made me click now. So I was thinking Khabib um, would only fight for his 30th fight. Perhaps if, if Ferguson has an emphatic win on the weekend, perhaps that can line up a fight against Khabib or maybe if he wins one more after that, then it could line that for perhaps. Okay. That's, this is it. If Ferguson wins on the weekend, right. And Conor McGregor and Poirier fight, Ferguson fights the winner of that fight. And then he might be looking at a title shot against Khabib. And that's a fight that people have been wanted for years. And that would bring Khabib back. So I'm thinking that way, but I'm also thinking what happens if, Volkanovski has a dominant win over Ortega, calls out Khabib and wants to go up a division to win the one forty, the one fifty-five title. What yeah, you- that, that's possible. So, out of all of them, and this depends on Khabib. Um, if for what I think will happen, and what the fans want, and what Dana wants, and what the UFC will want, is obviously if Conor beats Poirier, they Dana is going to be pushing Khabib to fight Conor. Oh, yeah, It's 100%. That's the way it's going to go. I just don't see Dana going, okay, fight Ferguson now, Connor. Fight, like, don't, he's not going to have his money machine fight these weapons when he can, when he can try and line it up again, the Khabib McGregor. And I don't think it'll be as ugly this time, especially with COVID. If they fought around COVID time, I don't think it would be as ugly. Um, so, yeah, but to me, that would really heavily rely on Khabib wanting to fight McGregor again and go through that whole process that is a McGregor fight. Mm. Um, but again, I think beating McGregor twice would look great on Khabib's resume because I do think he needs more title defences to be considered in the GOAT debate. And I don't think the yeah. GSP fight's going to happen. So. Especially for it to echo through eternity sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think as you get... I think as you start looking at... If you, if we have recency bias, right, with the whole father thing and, and his recent victories and stuff like that. But, you know, GSP's older. So 
so his record's a bit older and stuff. Like when you start breaking things down and going through history, I think, you know, the GOAT discussion may be a little bit different. Mm. And I think that's where him having maybe another, Fer- maybe a Ferguson win, a McGregor win, a Chandler win, uh, you know, he already has Gaethje. I think that is where his record will start really stacking up. And then, uh, yeah, and another, as I was telling you before, just a little interesting note, Umar Namagomedov is making his debut on the McGregor card by the looks of it. So there's a high chance that Khabib will be there in Abu Dhabi when Connor is there. In his cousin's And will be cornering right? his cousin. So uh, it'd be interesting if they run into each other. Yeah, yeah, it'll make what, for a good the, uh, UFC embedded. <laughs> it will make for a very, it'll make for, it's uh, almost like the embedded where, uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Masvidal was walking into the elevator as one elevator as uh, Usman was walking out of the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like perfect timing. So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, they, those two have a run in there and spark up something. There you go. So uh, what else have we got, mate? I think that's it for today, huh? Yeah, no, I think the only thing we're going to talk about but don't need to go too much into length, was the, the Tyson fight and how good it was to see two 50-year-olds swing the gloves. They would have knocked any one of us out in about 10 seconds, but it was a, I think it was a great result. No one got seriously hurt. No one wanted to see one of those two get knocked out and go out on a stretcher at 50, I think. Mm. We saw Mike Tyson throw some of his classic combos, the, the step in, the step to the right, and then the big uppercut up the middle. We saw all those ones. Um and I think, uh, you know, obviously Roy Jones fought a smart fight. Just jab and stay on the outside because you don't <laughs> want to get hit by Mike Tyson. And then if he gets in close, hug him and hold on. <laughs> I thought, And I think it was great. I mean, it wasn't a crazy knockout or whatever, but I think that's the best it could have been. Both two healthy, healthy fighters, um, you know. Um, just so, yeah. a little, little bit of stats for you. I, got, I do have a question about, you know, how you see um, that sort of, uh, you know, that – more are we going to see more of these cards but quick stats that did 1.2 million pay-per-view buys yep, I saw um that. i saw that the biggest the next biggest boxing fight that's happened in this year did i think it was 800 or 850,000 can't even remember who who was fighting but obviously so it's the biggest boxing fight that's happened all year and the only other fight that's had more um, pay-per-view bias this year that includes mma as well is um usman versus masvidal which did 1.3 so obviously yeah. people had an interest in it and, um, you know, there was a lot of people who were allegedly streaming that fight. Um, I $50 did not leave my account and I uh, allegedly did see the fight happen. So, I, yeah. Anyway, moving on, my friend. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about the uh, promotion itself when it comes to the, you know, because I think Mike Tyson wants to do more of these things, right? And obviously you got the YouTube stars like, you know, um, Jake Paul who are fighting. Do you think there's scope for this stuff in the future for more of this kind of cards? Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but they're virtually on the, they're waiting to announce it. Uh, but Logan Paul, his brother's going to fight Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition. That's pretty much going to happen. Uh which is crazy because the size difference, I just don't know how that's going to work. Um, 
But yeah, I think the YouTube fighting thing is great. I mean, it's there's it, it brings eyes to the sport. He is part of the reason it got 1.3, 1.2 million views. Sure. Like it, a lot of it was Tyson, obviously, but he was part of that, and he obviously stole the show. But like he's a, he's a no he's a nobody to a lot of us. But for some young generation and people who are real real um you know the YouTube kind of kids. Uh, they froth him, man, and they're keen on him, and they they'll be tuning in and they'll be getting out their mum's credit card and watching the fights. Yeah, I think, and yeah, I think. Uh, look, the guy's he's controversial and stuff, and he's done some stupid, stupid crap. But, and you know, he can box. He's learnt to box, but again, I think he needs. To, <laughs> I know he's building his name up, but I do like what people were saying. His best bet is to try and fight big names, and he he shouldn't go and fight. Someone say say you're looking at the boxing rankings. Someone that's fifteenth in the boxing ranking because he's going to lose. Yeah. He's going to lose badly, and then that'll be the end of it. He needs to call out big names like a Ryan Garcia or something. Where if he loses and he has even a slither of a good performance, people are going to be like, "Wow!" Because at the end of the day, the Nate Robinson fight, like the guy was running forward with his chin out. Like if yeah. he was fighting anyone that's a professional proper professional boxer it would have been done in 10 seconds because he's virtually had his chin pointing at the ceiling so that was we're talking about lambs going to slaughter that was a lamb going to slaughter (laughs) yeah i mean like it was just like uh, a kudos and kudos to jake paul for doing the training and learning boxing properly Mm. because he was boxing like a proper boxer Mm. right whereas you could tell that nate robinson's plan was to run forward and hope he lands and, and none of those punches were going to do anything because they weren't they were like half slaps with his chin in the air so mm. that was uh, to me it was obviously and i think the referee should have stopped it before the, yeah, the first round right one of them it wasn't even ten, it was like a 30 second count by the time they started the actual fight again like he when when the fighter's down with his head in his gloves for eight of the 10 seconds He's done, and especially that being his first professional fight, to me it should have been stopped, and it would have avoided that gigantic KO that we saw because that's not good for anyone. He was yeah. out, and then his head hit the floor. He's that's going to take a long time to recover. Yeah, man, so, he'll 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 carry that with him forever too. You know that kind of yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And talking about that, like knockouts like that, you know these, you know these fight cards with the sort of old school boxers um, having an exhibition match um, and then YouTube stars on the, on the undercard. And I think there definitely is um, a place for it, but it, it all looks good and makes sense until one of these older stars at like 50 years old gets starched and then it's a real yep. bad look. And I think it just gets wrapped up and it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I mean, as much as exciting it is, and we probably sound like the two party poops here, but as much as exciting as it was, I like. I don't want to see, and I, and I don't know if you've seen Holyfield at the moment. Like he's spar, like and hitting the pads, he doesn't look great. Mm. Uh, he doesn't look. You know what it reminds me? Of? It reminds me of Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz. Yeah, when they fought recently, exactly. Chuck Liddell looked like the big, like you or me could have knocked him out. He's just old. And he's been through it all. He's been KO'd. His body's given up on him. He did not need um, to be in there. And he yeah. got completely murked because Tito Ortiz was still fighting and still in shape. And we don't need to see that. It doesn't prove anything. I didn't – not one – nothing changed for me after that fight about Mike Tyson. I always knew he was an animal. I still know he's 
a beast. I didn't need to see him fight eight rounds, although it was enjoyable and I'm glad I saw it. I don't really want to see it again because I don't want to see any of those guys take any more damage mm. than they need to. And I don't want to see something ugly where, you know, something bad happens. No one wants to see that because, you know, he's got a great podcast going and, you know. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I've listened to a, a few of the episodes. Um and I mean, it's a great podcast, especially when he has, uh, you know, some of the MMA and boxers on there. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm the same. I listen to the MMA stuff, and yeah, some of the people he has on, like rappers and stuff, I'm not always interested in. But yeah, I mean, he's got MMA. He's had, um, sorry, MMA. He's had MMM and M on his podcast. You know, yeah. we don't really hear from Eminem anymore, and he was on that podcast chatting, and that was like pretty cool to see that. So. Yeah, yeah, stick yeah. stick to the stick to the podcast. Perhaps this promotion. Maybe he has. Maybe Mike Tyson has one more um, exhibition fight against someone else. Hopefully, no one gets seriously hurt, and he can use that second fight, building onto the first one, as a way to um, turn it into a promotion where he does have some YouTube stars and stuff like that on it, and he kind of runs it and under his banner and his name, and you know, then That's exactly. then. It, at that point, I, I can see it being a success, and and you know, fight. You know, we talk about the way in which MMA is becoming, you know, the fastest growing sport in the world. And although we're always going to see the sport, you know, promotions like the UFC is the biggest ones in the world. There's still space for guys like, you know, let's say Justin Bieber to crack on with someone on with with a. He was already talking about who was he talking about fighting in the past. He's calling people out. You know, maybe we're going to see yeah. some of these celebrities and YouTube celebrities on fight cards like this in the future that maybe, yeah, Tyson can run and just not fight on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, and it was good fun, especially the YouTube fights. I think, you know, if they're done safely and, and, and they're trained and they, and they have a basic understanding of boxing and that can be proven, I think yeah. it's it's fine. Um, and, and an even matchup. they have to wear headgear. An even, uh, match even matchup. Up, yeah. 100%. And then if... If you're able to do that and you have someone like Snoop Dogg, like he was great, funny on commentary, you know, it was hilarious. And if you have someone like that, I think you're going to really get the younger audience. I think you're going to have a, a bit more fun. There's not as much sort of pressure to it as like, I don't know if you remember like McGregor Mayweather or McGregor, like Khabib, the, the feeling of mm. that fight was really heavy. Whereas this fight was just like fun. Like there was no butterflies. There was nothing. Oh. It was just good fun. Man, when there's a when there's a big fight like you know the ones you mentioned, man, I will literally sit here with butterflies in my stomach as if yeah. I'm I'm the one that's going to fight, man. That's how I'll feel. I'll be yeah, feeling man, anxious like, about it. Yeah, even the the fight at the start of the year, like McGregor and Cerrone, you know, like McGregor coming back, there was that, you know, that, that McGregor fight's always big, and you have those butterflies like, and and I bet I told you I bet on that fight, and I and I knew it was going to be done early, and I had a lot of confidence in that. But still, just that feeling of, especially in MMA, because I mean, it takes one punch. Like I remember the Aldo fight almost. Like I was at, I was at a pub with a mate watching it, and there was bees flying in the air, and it was the craziest thing. Like that big build up for thirteen seconds. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But uh, that was yeah. Um, that was one of the first times I seen him, right? That was the first fight I actually watched live of his because it was oh, after yeah? that after that um, Go Big press conference. Um, yeah. I caught that on my socials and I was like, what the hell is this? So watched the press conference because it was like, you know, all over social media. And I was like, this is this guy's interesting. Went back, watched all of his fights and, and had done all that 
in time for the Eldo fight and that was the first one I watched live and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> toot, I would... toot, <laughs> I'm all aboard. <laughs> but the, you mean, the, the fight, like the... Obviously, I've watched a few of them before that, especially the Poye one and stuff. But the one that really got me was when he beat Chad Mendes because um, of a completely different stylistic fight. And, like, after he was on the ground for, like, eight minutes getting cracked in the head, like, in guard. He almost then thing went to pass to do his guillotine. Yeah. And then he gets up and he's just shit-talking after getting smacked in the face for eight minutes and literally not winning one second of the fight and he just gets up and starts shit talking chad mendes and then knocks him out i was just like this guy is uh insane and yeah he may not be the craziest wrestler he may not be the greatest fighter of all time whatever but i don't care he's entertaining and that's all even now like he's not as crazy shit talker but he's just he's just funny and entertaining even the cerrone thing with the the suit and the is that is that python skin (laughs) stuff like that like it's yeah. just funny and it's just entertaining and I don't you can't not like it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you saw the um Chad Mendes fight live, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I I watched it. So this when did, is, when did you start? Cuz they did the ultimate fighter um after that, right? Yeah, so yeah, they did. Uriah Faber because he was giving him shit about knocking his boy out, and he he said he buried Chad, Chad in the desert. <laughs> desert, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, because Aldo pulled out with the the rib injury. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, thing I, <laughs> he said in the press conference, he's like, "We sent him." He was with Dana. He goes, "We sent him to the gynecologist." And uh, the gynecologist said he's fine to go, but he won't fight. <laughs> so <laughs> on to Chad Mendes and. Uh, yeah, if that number, was a, if yeah, if, if number one steps no, if number two steps out in place of number three, it doesn't matter because I'm number yeah. one or something like that. And I mean that was that was a good performance. Again, people always like, oh, you know, I think I only had two weeks to prepare for Connor, but like he, people forget that that's a completely stylistic matchup change mm. for Connor too, like an American wrestler. And for eight minutes of the fight, it wasn't looking good at all. Like I was like, oh, this is not good. And then he literally, once he got up and started shit-talking him and he knew Thingo's gas tank was gone, he just let his hands fly. And, yeah, and, that, uh, was she, that was all she wrote. Hey, so when yep. did you first start watching UFC? Or, or is this what you're referring to? So my, the reason I started watching UFC, so I remember watching back in the day the uh, Rashad and Rampage. Do you remember the, the uh, Ultimate Fighter where he like, punched through the door? Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. Yeah, like those days. I remember I was st- I think I actually almost got into it from the Ultimate Fighter. I can't remember, but I've always been I was always obsessed with George St. Pierre. Like yeah. the Koscheck when he was on Kosh- with Koscheck. Just always uh GSP is probably the reason I got into MMA. Just maybe why I'm a bit biased calling him the GOAT, but uh just massive, massive fan of GSP and uh so that's probably when I started, I couldn't remember the exact year. I remember watching the old Brock Lesnar fights too. When, because as a little kid, I was in the WWE, and then I saw him fighting in the UFC, and it was like entertaining to to see that as well. When he beat Frank Mir, yeah, He's storming around the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for me, I think. Like I look, I'd seen over the years, like I early days, I I never watched the the Gracie fights and UFC one, and a lot of people yeah, got started either. then and and got in. That was not me. Like if I'm honest, 
Um, I seen like the Showtime Pettis kick. I can't even remember where these yeah. things are, but over the years I've watched a couple of Chuck Liddell fights. I, I seen the Showtime kick. I'd seen, you know, a few, you know, a couple of St. George St. Pierre. I knew who um, John Jones was and I saw some of those fights. So some of the marquee moments I, I yeah. seen and did watch some fights, but I was a little bit kind of, you know, the whole, um, you know, unit and um, tap out and, you know, all yeah. that sort of shit. I, I had just, all that stuff. I had the shirts. Oh, did you? And yeah. Affliction. And <laughs> Bro, that was I only me. bought them because of like GSP and, and they were wearing it on Ultimate Fighter and I was getting into it. But I think the reason, I don't know about you, but like I don't remember a lot of the exact dates and stuff is the model isn't what it is now. We didn't have the streaming services. We didn't have the... Mm. Whereas we do now. So, like, I think now it would be a lot easier to get into it. Like, I remember watching a lot of things on YouTube and being a kid, like, obviously my dad wasn't going to pay 50 bucks for me to watch Brock Lesnar pound someone's head in at 12 years old, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I remember just watching him on YouTube and stuff like that. So, I think now with Fight Pass and all that, if you're 12, 13, it's a lot easier to get into the sport. And I think the sport has a lot more. Back then, I think people viewed it as brutality and all that, whereas now it's a much more professional uh, professional sport. A little bit closer. Yeah, that's better. That's well, better. But th- yeah, I think it's a much more professional sport now. For sure. Whereas it's got all the, the new rules and it's got formalities to it. There's not... You know, around the blood and the cuts, and there's, there's, it's a lot more cleaner of a sport, I'd say, with, yeah. especially with the USADA and stuff. So, it's a lot more respected now. Yeah, for sure. Traditional media as well. Yeah, that that access is a is a big one. The access to I grew up like we never had Foxtel, so I don't I didn't watch. Um, like, yeah, didn't get to see it much, but obviously, like I said, I managed to see some of the marquee things over the years, and whether they were you know, live or whatever. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I think the the introduction that I had into the UFC that got me stuck and got me like fucking like keen as and like into it was I just got to Sydney, right? I landed, I think, in Sydney in October 2015 after finishing uni in Perth. And as I mentioned, I first got to Sydney. There was the Go Big press conference I, that's when I saw the McGregor chat and the huge build up and started watching all of his fights and then that Jose Aldo fight and that was in December 2015. So it was like in a couple of within two or three months of me arriving in Sydney, that fight happened and I was just hooked on MMA at that point. And I was watching every card. Yeah, well, that people I think people sometimes I think they forget about the significance of the end of 2015 because. At 193, you had Ronda Rousey get KO'd by Holly Holmes. Humongous. Right. And that was in Melbourne. And and then you had Connor beat Aldo. So you literally had two of the greatest champions in the UFC history lose their belts in massive fashion. And then you, you saw the UFC. It's a shame Holly Holm didn't take over like McGregor did in terms mm. of the division. Like, but eventually we ended up with Nunes, right? Um, but leading into 2016 i mean i I know me i was already a fan of the ufc and i just knew a lot of my friends and other people started asking me about it and it just started to pick up and obviously with mcgregor he he brought a lot of eyes to the sport um and i remember just 2016 early 2016 when he lost to diaz and then that like i just remember the big wave of people coming towards the ufc and now it's just massive like yeah and i I mean mean, you've got a podcast talking about 
a card that, yeah, maybe some of the names are not household for everyone, but major- there's a lot of people out there that are interested in it where I think six, seven years ago, you wouldn't have that interest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's changed so much. The whole, that whole thing, like you said, that 2015, 2016, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, my, um, me getting into martial arts as well. Like I know we're kind of, yep. like, the podcast is kind of over and we're just chatting, but it's good. So I guess we keep going for a little bit. I, uh, for me, it was, like I said, that go big press conference, then that big fight against Eldo. And, you know, I just moved to Sydney. I, I grew up playing AFL and cricket um, all my life, man. Like those were the two sports I played and I never, ever played anything else. I just did footy, AFL that is, and cricket. And um, my, my pop was a state champion boxer and boxing was something that I always wanted to do because of like my pop and I just with footy and cricket year, you know, season after season, year after year, I just never got into boxing after I broke my ankle last game of footy I ever played. That was a month before I moved to Sydney. So I moved over to Sydney with a broken ankle and sort of first few months, like I said, got into the UFC. And when I started to get better, I was like, Oh, I might give boxing a go now. I can finally give it a shot. And because I had also had begun that interest in MMA at that point, so I was like, yeah, let's do some boxing. My, um, it was my right ankle that I broke. I'm a southpaw, so that was my front foot. And I just had no mobility in it, no confidence in it. So I was like, okay, how about, you know, I'm watching MMA. What's this jiu-jitsu shit? I'll, I'll give that a go. And that's, <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know, I'll just lay on the ground. Maybe that'll be easier on my ankle if I'm laying on the ground yeah, fighting. Yeah. So that's what got me started in jits. And that's when I rang um, John Smolios and uh, started and never looked back. And here we are. What's that? Like five years later? Near, yeah. Near, almost I mean, five years now. Yeah. So. It's crazy how uh, time flies. And who would have thought, like, it's already three years ago um, that McGregor fought uh, Mayweather. Like, 2015, <laughs> if you had said McGregor's going to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing fight, who would have been like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, that's three years ago now. Like, it's old news. Like, it's like not even that big anymore um so yeah it's crazy mma's done it i think it's done a lot for you know got you into into jiu-jitsu and i think it's done a lot for people and it's definitely done a lot for jiu-jitsu i think seeing submissions and and all your you know all those entertaining submissions like the demetrius johnson flying armbar and stuff i mean i can i definitely get a sense of how popular jiu-jitsu is getting mm. now it's almost cool if you do jiu-jitsu it's like yeah for sure for like sure a, that, that's sick so yeah and it's it's one of those things like I, I mean i've said this so many times on even on this podcast jiu-jitsu all the aspects that make up mma it's the most palatable one for the general public to participate in themselves yeah. you know boxing kickboxing you know damage knockouts all that sort of stuff mm. people don't want to get punched in the face um, wrestling is very difficult. People, uh, not a lot of people are built for that kind of grind. Um, whereas jujitsu, you know, everyone can sort of participate in. And for some people, maybe they fall off, but it's a lot more, it's a lot more palatable. So yeah. What, what, and I, the, yeah, I think the thing as well, I love about jujitsu is, is it truly can be for anyone. Like I'm a super, like I'd say I'm a pretty athletic guy and it, it helps me somewhat but I converse someone that like, I'd say Oscar, for example, in our gym, he's not as athletic as me, but he toys with me in a role. Mm. And I think that's what, why it's truly for everyone, because you can be that little guy 
And I remember when I started rolling with you and I'm, I'm bigger than you and you would toy with me because you had the skill and it's, it's a much more of a skill based thing. Yes. Sizing is an advantage, but you know, if you Mm. have the skill, you can, you can take on that bigger guy and that's what jiu-jitsu is all about, right? You can take on the bigger guy. For sure. And I mean, I think you would have bridged that gap now. So I think it'd be a lot, it'd be a lot closer now, you know, but uh, it's been a few years. I was going to say, if we go back, you obviously you were talking about uh, your interest in MMA and a lot of your friends started asking you questions about it. What actually got you started in jiu-jitsu? Uh, oh, well, I've always, I, like my dad has owned a um, kung fu school his entire life. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, it was really big. Um, like yeah, give a us a little bit school. of background on your martial arts, kind of going into your story. Yeah, give us a little bit of that. Yeah, so I did like martial arts since I was born. Like my dad set up the school I think one month before I was born because um, he's always had an interest. He loves Bruce Lee and stuff. Um, and so he set up a Kung Fu school all centered around self-defense, so teaching people to defend themselves. It, it, some of it did some of the arty stuff, but it was mainly – it always was centered around someone comes and bear hug you, knife defense, and just like logical defense to situations you'll have in the street someone chokes you, whatever, similar to higher jiu-jitsu and Pedro Sauer where it's very self-defense based. And so I did that while I was uh, competitive swimming right up until I was about 14. Um, And I had to stop that because I was training for swimming 13 times a week. And for people that don't know me, I was uh, like a pretty high-level swimmer. I didn't end up getting to like Australian team or anything, but – I was training roughly 13 times a week. So I, I sort of took a step away from that, but that's where the UFC really came in for me because I was watching that while I was training swimming. Um, so yeah, I got up to like a junior junior black belt there, which was like a senior brown belt um, in Kung Fu. Um, and then, yeah, from there I started working in the city and I was like, oh, you know, like I really want to give Jiu-Jitsu a go. And I just looked up places near my office i found higher jiu-jitsu i spoke to john once i came in and i mean john you meet john once and i mean I, if you don't stay and join that gym you're crazy because yeah. the guy is so passionate about jiu-jitsu it just sucked me in straight away that first class the amount of emphasis he put on the warm-up and the techniques and stuff like that um i had the same passion in swimming so to see someone have that passion um i was sucked in and I still to this day haven't trained anywhere else and yeah that's pretty much a, a sum of my story yeah no that's I, and I, the, the comment about John sucking you in is so true man because I um, initially when I was googling like jiu-jitsu academies in Sydney I was just like oh I'll go around to a few because they all do like a you know a free trial for a week yeah. or whatever so you know I'll go to three or four maybe I'll get a month of jiu-jitsu in my mind being someone who's never trained I was like I can do jiu-jitsu for free for a month and see if I like it. And if I like it, I'll sign up to whatever school I like, you know, felt the most comfortable at. Cause as a white belt, the techniques and who was the best and, you know, who, you know, I, I didn't know, man, I was just whoever, whoever yeah. makes the most sense, makes the most sense. But I, yeah, I tried out one other gym. Uh, I did one session there. Didn't really, uh, actually, no, I lie. I did a boxing session there and there was a jujitsu class above it. And I did the boxing class, then went upstairs to check out the jujitsu. Didn't end up participating in the class because I had an interest in the boxing. And that's when yep. I was kind of like, oh, 
with my ankle being a problem, then I was like, okay, I'll check out a jiu-jitsu academy now. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I didn't go back to that academy to try out their jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I ended up calling John, ended up in at higher and did that one session with a f- complete intention of doing going and trialing out a couple of other schools. And, um, yeah, one session, gave over my bank details and had the direct debit come out on Monday and that was it. Never looked back. Yeah, and and, To your and, point, man, and, if... To your point, if I was still in Sydney, that I, you know, without a doubt in my mind, that's where I would be. Yeah, and I mean, I know you obviously you haven't been in Sydney for a year and a bit now, and like the amount of like when I started, I think you were obviously one of the originals, and I think I just came just after. Like the gym still wasn't as big as like now; it's massive, and the amount of blue belts we have, and how technical they are. And I was talking to someone the other day in our gym, like the white belts, like a two-stripe white belt now is like so technical and so hard to like in a role it's not like an easy role for a blue belt or a purple belt there they're so technical and it's all a testament to john and then when i started even like you know obviously oscar and maddie were around as well and uh you know their personalities and how much they helped people that were coming in new fresh to jiu-jitsu and the time they put into them i mean it's all a testament to the culture of the place and if uh anyone's listening to this and in sydney uh Come on by. Uh, <laughs> best best gym in Sydney. <laughs> best gym That's in the true. country. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do another podcast. And we'll go into like a bit more de- a bit more detail on your journey and things like that. But it's been I think we've been chatting now for over, almost two hours. I'm not even sure when we started. So let's let's call it a wrap for tonight. That's yep. uh, UFC two five five results. We got four picks each out of six. Uh, we've got our predictions down for UFC 256 on the 13th of December. Uh, this podcast will drop on mo- Monday, the week of that. So we're, today is Thursday, so we're a couple of days, couple of days before the, the drop. So let's, let's, let's cross our hands and let's pray and let's hope that come 13th of December, all these fights we've discussed, nothing is scratched from the card and, and it, it's all systems go. Yeah, if not me and you, we'll jump on the card and fight each other. Mate, let's do it, eh? We'll, we'll have an exhibition bout. We'll, um, if we pull in one million pay-per-view wires, we can both retire and, and mate, no worries. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take the L for the, for the free money. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm happy to take the L too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, man, okay, let's, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll chat with you again. So uh, real quick, do we know when 257 is slated for the date? Just so two- when people... No, when UFC 257 is the 23rd of January. Ah, Radio. So, so there Abidabi. you go. That'll be the uh, that'll be the last MMA one until early next year. I'll put out a couple more AOS episodes, and um, yeah, we'll I'll chat to you. I guess in around about a month's time, and we'll be back on the bandwagon and let's go. Yep, sounds good. Excited. Thanks very much for having me on again. No worries, mate. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody, and I'll chat to you all soon. Hey, bye. <laughs>